2: Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast, I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Today we're talking college football and what a season it's been around here. Missouri, Kansas State, and Kansas have all been ranked, and now Mizzou is knocking on the door of the top 10. We talk Tigers with Colin McAndrew of the Columbia Daily Tribune. We look ahead to Saturday's game against the Florida Gators while looking back at Mizzou's resounding victory over Tennessee. Running back Cody Schrader was amazing in that contest. But we start with a discussion of this weekend's Sunflower Showdown with beat writer Kelly Robinette, who covers Kansas State. The Wildcats are seeking their 15th straight victory in the series over Kansas, and they continue to play for a spot in the Big 12 title game for the second straight year. This is Kansas' best team since 2008, which happens to be the last time the Jayhawks defeated K State. Okay. Let's get started. We'll begin by talking Sunflower Showdown with Kellis Robinette. Kellis, I don't know about you, but I after the Wildcats lost to Texas, um, I, I was just I wasn't down on K State because I the great game, great comeback. But I just kind of feared for the rest of the season for them. But uh, man, they reacted so well to that uh, that outcome and played one of their best games of the year against Baylor and have to feel good about where they are right now and and what's left
0: the rest of the way and what might be out there for them. Definitely. Um, And home field has been the cure-all for Kansas State this season. They came back and played Baylor, whipped them by a score that has never before been seen in college football, 59-25. to How about that? If you're in Bill Snyder Family Stadium last week, you saw some history. Was that a score-agami? It was a score game. I mean, first time a college football game had ever ended in the wow. 90s a score. Wow. How about so, that? Yeah, yeah. You can tell your grandkids about it one day if you want to. Um, but, yeah, Kansas State is honestly, ever since they lost to Oklahoma State, they've been on a pretty good roll here. Um, players have said, you know, there's a really big wake-up call for them. They flipped, flipped the switch since then, beating a lot, you know, a lot of average teams at home by obscene margins. They won at Texas Tech, pushed Texas to the final play of the game. So, yeah, there's not a whole lot to complain about um, for Kansas State lately, other than I guess just the way that they play on the final play of the game. Because if they could go back and change things just a little bit this season, uh, they beat Missouri, they beat Texas. Things are looking completely different.
2: Absolutely, um, and we got a big props to to Will Howard, the quarterback who um, became the school's career leader in touchdown passes this past weekend, and. A lot of great names on the list for Kansas State, and Will Howard now stands at the top. And the the idea that there, you know, at some point was a quarterback competition between he and Avery Johnson. Um, look, there was, I guess, right. And uh, and and Will Howard, anyway, he's he is taken off and is playing some of his best ball right now.
0: Of um, Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith effect going on with Will Howard right now. He had to go to the sideline and watch Avery Johnson score five touchdowns in one game, and everybody kind of wondered, um, boy, is this uh, freshman the real deal? Is he not just the future? He's the present? Well, um, turns out that was a little bit of an overreaction because ever since then, like I said, I don't know if that lit a fire under Will Howard or what, but he has been lights out since then. Um, Twelve touchdowns in his last four games. He's thrown for really big numbers, had his first 300-yard passing game. Spread the ball all around. Last game, the receivers who did nothing in the first half of the season are all of a sudden looking like all Big Twelve players. So the offense has really come alive, and it's interesting that um, kind of the birthplace of that was at Texas when they couldn't get anything going on the ground, which has been their bread and butter all season. They, you know, very reluctant reluctantly say, "Okay, let's just call a bunch of passing plays." That opened up, you know. Thanks for them. Got Keegan Johnson going. Got Jace Brown going. Phillip Brooks looking really spry for as old as he is and yeah and all of a sudden they got the passing game and the running game going and um nobody's asking uh if will howard is the starting quarterback anymore he's definitely the guy
2: all right so saturday sunflower showdown um kuk state and i i was at the kansas game uh when they lost to texas tech this past saturday and um it was a tough Tough beat for the Jayhawks in a couple of ways. It was a they were favored to win and and, and fell sixteen to thirteen. Gave up a, uh, a game winning field goal drive that covered sixty yards or so in twenty six seconds. So that added to the pain for for Kansas. It looked for sure like that game was headed to overtime. The other thing was starting quarterback Jason Bean left the game with a head injury, and we don't know this. As we talk on Thursday, on Tuesday, we don't know the status of Jason Bean going in. In fact, there's any one of three players could line up at quarterback for the for the Jayhawks in this game, and including Jalen Daniels, who entered the year as the starter, just as he did a year ago, didn't finish the season because of injuries then, and. His back injury now. So I guess there's a possibility that he could play. He's actually listed as the or starter on the on the depth chart this week for Kansas, Jason Bean or Jalen Daniels. And then there's Cole Ballard, the freshman, who replaced Jason Bean and I thought did a respectable job as a as a freshman. And uh got uh, led, led Kansas to some scoring drives in the fourth quarter that allowed them to overcome a 13 to nothing deficit, tied it up. But then uh, again, Texas tech won it in, um, in, in regulation on a, on a walk-off field goal. So this should be one of the more interesting KUK state games in a while. Both teams are seven and three. Have we looked it up the last time they, they entered the game, both with winning records? Um, I I don't. It didn't. Did it happen last? It must have happened last year, right? Um, Kansas did not fall to five hundred until late in the season, so I suspect they were a game or two over five hundred when they played K State. Um, but there's this one just has a whole different feel to it. They both teams have been ranked. Kansas as high as number sixteen in the college football, you know, playoff uh, rankings, and K State's number twenty three this week in the wire service polls. So just two good seven and three
0: teams going at each other. It's a good point on the records. I hadn't really thought about that. Um, And yeah, hopefully uh, Kansas can hold on in the college football playoff rankings today so that we can at least say this is the second time ever that these teams have met as ranked opponents. That to me is still one of the crazier stats in this entire series. Kansas and Kansas state have been playing since all the way back in 1902. And over that hundred year plus uh, history, they have met one time as ranked teams and amazingly, that was actually probably one of the worst games it was in awful. the entire rivalry. Nineteen ninety-five, number fourteen versus number six, K-State wins forty-one-seven. So uh, I covered
2: that game. It was it was a <laughs> it was a blowout from the from the get-go. And man, and, what, and what my, a dud! And, yeah, it was a, it was a total dud. And and um, that to me, interestingly enough, Kellis, that to me signaled the start of the separation between the two programs. Um, Bill Snyder had certainly established his uh, foothold with the Wildcats by then. And Kansas in 95 was having another good season under Glenn Mason. And after that, there was little doubt what the better program in the state was. And Kansas State continued to prove that year after year after year. But, uh, yeah, um, I I would – it it would be great, I think, for – the national image of football in this state, in the state of Kansas, that if both teams were good, I feel the same way about basketball, but in football especially, if both teams are good, if this could be the type of game that the networks would want to televise, you know, that they they fight over this one, and and um, and it, as it as it is, they they are going to get good exposure for this six o'clock, I believe, on Fox Sports One, but there have been years when this game was not picked up by anybody and uh in in the bad old years and before tv contracts are what they are now there were years where this game was not televised i remember one year i, I i'm pretty sure i'm right about this that the Radio game didn't even go <laughs> well it was that it was on public television that the only public television would would carry this game so, oh my
0: goodness
2: so anyway uh great to see that uh it's a couple of seven and three teams, and you and as you mentioned, this could be two ranked teams. We're waiting on the, we'll wait on the on the on the college football playoff ranking that's going to be out later tonight. But what do you expect to happen? Games in Lawrence should be the the atmosphere should be
0: terrific for this game. Well, I, I think it'll certainly be closer than some games we've seen previously when it was just a Kansas State beatdown. Um, the spread is right around 10 points right now, Regard depending on where you look, you can see it as low as eight as about nine and a half. Um, and I think a lot of that is due to the quarterback uncertainty. I think if you could guarantee me that you, the Kansas would start a healthy Jason Bean or a healthy and, um, you know, well-practiced Jalen Daniels, then I would, I could consent this game could be a toss up. Um, especially on the road, where Kansas State has not played all that great this season, uh, but if your options are Cole Ballard um, leading Kansas or an injured Jason Bean leading Kansas, I think you got to lean Kansas State here. And that's not to say that it still can't be close, but goodness, the way Kansas State has been playing lately, they get fired up for this game every year, um, and that's that's really the reason they've been so dominant. Um, Not only do they have a talent advantage, but they recruit so heavily in state. This game really matters to the Wildcats. They want to win it as much as any other one. So there's never any let up. Sometimes you see in rivalries where one school will overlook the other. Eventually, just doesn't seem to be the case here in Manhattan. They love that Governor's Cup. They want it every year. Um, And I think Kansas State just has some advantages in uh, running the ball, I think their defense is coming along really strong. I think it might be hard for Kansas to run the ball in this game. And if you're going to make the Jayhawks throw on you, um, I think you got to like Kansas State in that scenario. So I think Kansas State does win. Um, but, hey, the uh, the gap in this rivalry is closing, and it, it's not just uh, open to shut case anymore. And if, if Lance Leipold really has the Jayhawks to a point where, you know, this is truly a uh, – a spread that's under 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 double digits, single-digit spread. Maybe it's a scenario where you can throw out, you know, the records, throw out, do as they say, throw out a bunch of other stuff, prior um, prior results, and just see what happens in this game. So I think it will be closer than we've seen in the past. Right now I would certainly lean Kansas State, though, just because of the quarterback uncertainty in Lawrence. Yeah, I'm
2: with, I'm with you on that for sure. Um, let's uh, wrap it up, Calvis, by uh, trying to – understand a little bit about what might happen uh, if, if Kansas state wins out what their chances are of repeating uh, its appearance in the big 12 championship game. Seems like it might need some help from others, but, uh, but, but it's, it's just different now because of uh, you know, the the imbalanced schedule in the big 12 and you don't, every team doesn't play each other. So that was so easy when it was a 10 team league and everybody played, there are nine games, and it was easy to – every everything was a head-to-head. And even in a three-way tie, you could figure that out pretty easily. Not so easy now, is it?
0: Uh, no. Um, trying to make sense of the Big Twelve tiebreaker rules right now is pretty much like trying to solve a Rubik's Cube. It's very confusing, right, when you think you got it figured out. You hit a snag, and it's like, what is going on here? Um, what makes it interesting is that – when you look at the, the rules, the way they're written. So, so in the past, you know, like you said, um, everybody played everybody else. You could go straight to head to head results. If everybody tied, then you could go basically down the standings who beat the best team. Um, you know, every which way you could do it, but now because everybody's not playing everybody in a lot of situations, you can't go head to head. And the one scenario that kind of has everybody scratching their head is that if, if the standings hold right now, and say Texas finishes first, and in second place you have Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma. At first glance, you'd look at that and say, well, the Cowboys would win because they beat K-State, they beat Oklahoma, end of story. But those three teams didn't play each other during the regular season. Kansas State did not play Oklahoma. So per the way it is written on the Big 12 website, you can't use head-to-head results. You then go by who beat the next best team in the standings. And if Kansas State keeps winning, that would be the Wildcats because they will have beaten Iowa State and Kansas, whereas Oklahoma lost to Kansas, Oklahoma State lost to Iowa State. There's also a weird twerk in here that if you go by this, um, the final game of the season between Kansas and Cincinnati could also throw a weird wrench into things where if Kansas wins, Kansas State would win the tiebreaker. But if Cincinnati wins, Oklahoma would leave would win the tiebreaker, somehow still leaving Oklahoma State out. I mean, even though they beat all these teams. Geez, geez. So, so it's it's very confusing. Um, I mean, my hope is that just the results play out over the next two weeks, where we don't need some convoluted tiebreaker with like four, three, four, or five teams in it, and you can actually just go head to head. Um, that would be much easier for everyone involved. And the strangest thing of all is I'm reading a story right now from Barry Trammell of a sellout previously of the Oklahoman who says basically that the Big 12 has gotten so many questions about this, they may rethink how they, t- how they do the tiebreakers midseason um, and have something for us later this week. So I don't know. Right when you think you got everything figured out, you don't. My advice to Kansas State fans would be just keep winning. Win your last two games. See where you end up. And I would give the same advice to Kansas fans because, believe it or not, they are not out of this. If they win their last two games, there is a scenario out there where Kansas and Kansas State meet in the Big Twelve championship game what? if they both finish six and three. Oh yes, oh yes. So
2: this uh, well, could—that's what I'm pulling
0: for. That—that that, that that could be, be amazing. Amazing. I believe it. I believe it is. If if every home team in the Big Twelve wins this week, and then. Everybody ends up six and, and things break right so that everybody ends up six and three next week. You could have something like an eight-way tie. And for whatever reason in that scenario, KU okay, and K-State would be the two teams that play in Arlington. No, uh, Boggle the mind.
2: That has to happen. we got to make that happen. <laughs> All right, Kellis. Great stuff. And have fun at Sunflower Showdown. All
0: right. You know it.
2: Colin McAndrew covers the Missouri Tigers for the Columbia Daily Tribune and the Kansas City Star. Column, you just watched. I think Eli Drinkwitz's best victory at Missouri. And am I right about that? Or I'm mean, I'm right that you covered it? But was it the best victory <laughs> that, uh, that uh, Coach Drink ha- has had in Columbia?
1: Yeah, I I don't think you're far off base there. Uh, when you look back, I mean, you could, in, in my eyes, it's a culmination of all the wins that they've had this year and all the progress that they've made this year. It really, really got to sort of a boiling point this weekend where they put all four fa- all, all all four quarters together. They put all three phases of the game together for the first time this season. You know, you go back to Georgia where they played a half of really, really good football. You go to LSU where they played three quarters of really good football. Kentucky, three quarters. South Carolina, three quarters. It, it, this was the first game where they really managed to put everything together. It really looked what like what they've been promising. It would look like for for quite some time now. I think this is the game when you know. Whenever we look back, at Eli Drinkwitz's career, I think this is the one where we'll really look at the tides changing a little bit and, and what's expected of this program and where this program's national standing is. So yeah, I think I think you can you can pretty comfortably say this is this was his best one to date.
2: Yeah. Um, look. And as we as you think about the Drinkwitz tenure at Missouri, you know, 500 uh, ish, the, you know, up going into mm-hmm. this going into this season, did get the contract extension last year. But I thought there was pressure on him coming into this season. Another, you know, six and six, you know, losable game, six and seven wasn't going to cut it. Uh, at, at uh, for uh, Desiree Reed, Francois, uh, and the Tigers. So, uh, so he, he made some changes, right? He he um, he relinquished the play calling duties and um, uh, the, you know, the kind of played games a little bit with the media when it came to who the starting quarterback was going to be. But in the end, it was always going to be right. Brady Cook. Uh, everything he's done for the most part has worked, and he's sitting here, mm-hmm. he is eight and two number of you know you and i were talking on tuesday so the college football playoff ranking uh will be revealed tonight but i wouldn't be surprised if uh if missouri makes a huge jump there and this is his best team i think you can make a case that they're the number 3 team in the sec right now behind georgia and alabama you know maybe right along with lsu
1: absolutely i would i would 100% agree with that i think even if you're just looking at, at where the college Playoff rankings are going to fall. I think you have to take into consideration the results that are, that are at hand. Is here you you look at Missouri's two defeats, and th- those were two in- incredibly competitive games. So even the two losses that they've taken, they very well could have came out of that LSU game with the win if it wasn't for what really is a generational college football quarterback in, in Jaden Daniels really just turning it on in the second half there, and the defense obviously falling apart a little bit. But uh, and then Georgia, they they took that lead in, into. Into the third quarter, they were hanging around with them in the fourth quarter when there were a couple of questionable plays and a couple of questionable decisions. But they haven't had the similar blowout that Ole Miss has had. I think I think it's completely fair to call mazua a, a top three team in the SEC right now and, and to say that, yeah, come these rankings, they probably should be considered as such at the moment.
2: Look, Florida uh comes to Foro Field this weekend and then the Missouri travels to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh Tigers favored against the Gators and will be favored against the Razorbacks. So let's just play it out. 10 and 2. Is this a is this a team yep. that's going to play in a New Year's Six Bowl game?
1: I I think it's I think it's entirely in Missouri's hands right now. I think uh, I think if you win these two games and and you know, unless almost does something Spectacular in the Egg Bowl, or uh, you know, I mean, I mm. think they play ULM or someone this weekend. I don't really see how they could bolster the resume too much if Missouri goes goes ten and two here with two extremely close losses. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the floor appears to be Citrus Bowl, which is still a January first game. But I think if if, if you're really looking at the, if Mizzou does manage to finish this season out with two wins against Florida against Arkansas, I don't see how you don't put them in a New year Six bowl. I really think that would be. Would be slightly unfair to the resume. I don't think there's many SEC teams that that would have have what they've done this year and not finish in that position at the end of the year.
2: I'm pulling for a Mizzou Texas Cotton Bowl, um, Texas future uh, future S, uh, conference game for the Tigers, but uh they right. um, <laughs> <Anyway>, were warm. Yes, <yeah. laughs> um, and programs that aren't very fond of each other, uh, at least in, in recent right. memory, right? So. Uh, it, We'll see. We'll see what happens to the Tigers. Going back to the Tennessee game, uh, we cannot uh, l- let that pass w- without talking about Cody Schrader. You've you followed his career. Um, you've been there for quite a while too. What uh, I, I've not seen anything like that. Um, amazing performance <laughs> by by Cody Schrader. Uh, three hundred was three twenty one yards from scrimmage. It was two hundred five rushing. I think I'm in the ballpark on, on these. Right. So, what what impressed you most about his game against the Vols?
1: I, I mean, what didn't? I mean, it was <laughs> he he was he was the man from the the first play. I, I mean, I've been covering covering this team for three years now. I've seen some incredible days by Tyler Beatty. I've seen some just otherworldly plays from Luther Burden, and you know, I've seen seen some good games. I've seen a lot of bad games too. But um, the, that performance from Cody Schrader, I, I think I'll remember that for the rest of my life. It was. uh, There was a point in the third quarter where it it just seemed like he couldn't touch the ball without going nine yards, bare minimum. It it was Tennessee, which has one of the best uh, rush defenses in the country. Bear in mind, just had absolutely no answer for him. He's his he story, Drinkwitz was talking about it a little bit today. His story is, is incredible for those that don't know. Division two transfer came as a walk-on, was six, seven, eight on the depth jar, had no guarantee of ever playing a football game. Now he's scholarship, now he's leading the SEC and rushing. Just an absolutely incredible performance, an incredible come up. Um just how varied his performance was on Saturday against Tennessee. They used him in scramble drills. They used him in a the flat. They used him up the gut. They used him off tackle, inside zone. They used him any which way they could to harm Tennessee. Uh, and I think just about every single time worked, he took some monstrous hits and he was always the first one up. He, he, the, he had made gutsy run after gutsy run. He just whites out day, the kind that I, I haven't seen in my three years covering this team.
2: And look, and this is after a hundred plus yards rushing at Georgia the week yeah, before. Right. Um he he is stacking games and you know he's now the SEC rushing leader. He's at 1,315 yards. Um it, it, Eli Drinkwitz himself mentioned it on Saturday. You're you're the SEC rushing leader. That person usually is in the Heisman conversation. Mm-hmm. He's not there yet. Um, maybe it's just because it's it's been such a great year for quarterbacks in college football. We haven't seen his name yet. I don't I don't know if you picked up anything this week about, you know, about him as a, as, as a Heisman candidate or even a dope Walker award candidate for the nation's top running back. Um, he's, he's seventh, I think in the NCAA in, in rushing yards going mm-hmm. into this week, uh, but I wouldn't put it past him to have, you know, add another three, 400 yards to his total before the end of the regular season.
1: No, when you when you look at you know uh, uh, fast forwarding a little bit, but Arkansas's defense hasn't exactly been the the cream of the crop. You know, it, it, it certainly you, you definitely wouldn't. I haven't heard anything Heisman wise. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see his name come up in top ten, top fifteen of voting just because of where his numbers are and because of where his stats are and because of what his story is. Dog Walker is certainly a consideration, although I think you would have to probably look at maybe someone like Blake Corum at, uh, at Michigan there. Um, and then the other one that we're seeing is the Burrowsworth, which is the the, the yeah. player that started their career as a walk on. I think he is a shoe in for that. If there's anyone, uh, unless Jaden Daniels, I think somebody put in my, my uh Twitter mentions today. Unless Jaden Daniels was a walk on at Arizona State, I don't <laughs> think he's don't think he's losing that one.
2: Now, incredible uh, season so far for Schrader. It's funny how I. I a couple of years ago, when when Nathan Pete transferred back to not mm-hmm. back but to his hometown, back to his hometown, right. I th- I thought he was the the running back who was in a position to kind of finish his career with a, with a flourish. You know, kind of n- not a good season a year ago, but he decided to come back and he just doesn't he doesn't even see the field much anymore, does he?
1: No, and and that's not really an indictment on him, I don't think. I mean, when you look at I was talking to to a guy who does statistics for the SEC a few weeks ago, and you look at his yards after contact numbers. You look at his yards before; they really aren't that bad. And it, you know, anytime he does see the field, he's really not all that awful. It's been a little iffy in the last few weeks, because, and that's just because of how much Schrader is doing and how much they rely on him to to be able to be that workhorse. It, it, it's it really you can can really. Put any blame on, on AP for that. It's just somebody's just beat them to the punch this year. It just happens to be one of the one of the best running backs in the country at the moment. Right.
2: Right. Okay. Like we said, uh, Florida this weekend coming to uh, Columbia. Florida's five and five and needs a victory in one of its final two games to secure mm-hmm. bowl eligibility. Those two opponents are Missouri and then Florida State, which is ranked right. fourth. So. Uh, I'd say Billy Napier's team needs to, you know, figure out uh, what, the, you know, figure out a victory in one of these two games. I don't know where it's going to happen. How do you see Saturday playing out with the Tigers? Is it is this a letdown possibility for Mizzou, or are they kind of beyond that? Uh, that's that's tough to tell.
1: Um, if if we're just going based on what we were hearing and what we saw and what the players were talking about today, there doesn't seem to have been too much of that like vacation hangover where, you know, you've had, you've hit the highs and the highs and then suddenly there's a little bit of lackadaisicalness, a little bit of, you know, just a little bit of a nonchalance sets in. It didn't seem like that at all today. It seemed like everybody was, if the goal was 10 and two, the goal is 10 and two and beating Tennessee to win your eighth game of the season isn't, isn't that. So that's kind of what we were hearing today. There seems to be sort of a a refocusing after, after what was just an incredible day on all it is their last home game of the year, which I think probably helps in that regard a little bit for refocusing just players' energy, etc. Um look in the past, I, yeah, absolutely. I would have called this after Missouri coming off a, a huge result. You would think, well, here comes the Missouri it, here comes the here comes the the inevitable letdown. I, I think this team's a little bit different this year. I think um I think they're made of a little bit sterner stuff. Um, so we will see. Florida certainly has has Danger left, right, and center. The record probably doesn't show how quite how good they are. They have claimed some decent wins this season, and their backs are against the wall. They need the win this this weekend. If if a if Billy Napier wants to save his job, probably, uh, and if they want a postseason, you know they've they've kind of cornered this Gator, and that's uh that could be a. a a a tough place to be, but I think on paper, I think Missouri is, is flat out a better team right now. And I think they are acting a little bit like it as well. I think that they, they understand that. And I think their, their work ethics in in that zone as well.
2: I agree with you. I I think Missouri will come out with their heads. Listen, if there's a little flatness early, I'd understand it, but we, we, we did Missouri got a lot of back slaps for the Georgia outcome, playing well, playing the top team as well as they did. Then they came out, Mm -hmm. smoked Tennessee um, right. <laughs> I, I think this is a mature Missouri team, uh, certainly a talented one, well-coached. I, now, I, if, if if Missouri finds a way to lose on Saturday to the Gators, it will be because Florida played a great game. I don't think it will be because it wasn't ready to play. So I agree. Okay. Colin McAndrew, that was great stuff. Really appreciate it. Let's do it again. Absolutely. Thank you, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to producer Randy Mason for putting together this episode and to our Sportsbeat KC production team of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Callis Robinette and Colin McAndrew for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition is the nation's top digital sports page. Chiefs, Mizzou, KU, K-State, Royals, Sporting, Current. That kicks it off. And then there are dozens of pages of national and international sports news. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another edition of Sportsbeat KC, where we talk sports in and around Kansas City.